Merry Christmas scripture first listeners and supporters of Luther House. We hope and pray that the Christmas story of Christ's coming into the world and into our lives with mercy and new life brings joy and hope to you today and in the days to come. As we come to a close of the year, we want to express our gratitude to all of you who've been listening to our Scripture First podcasts. As we close out this year, we are celebrating a challenge grant we've been given to support the upcoming year's podcast. A generous donor has offered to sponsor up to eight podcasts in hopes that people would match this challenge. Please consider making a year-end donation to Luther House to sponsor one podcast, a month's worth of podcast, or even a year. In addition, consider helping us with other facets of our mission by making a tax-deductible contribution to the Lutheran Leadership Foundation. If you would like to sponsor a podcast, please contact our co-director, Sarah Stenson, at sstenson at augie.edu. Or, if you want to make a general contribution, please contact us through the Luther House website or click on the donate button on our website, lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thank you for listening and thank you for supporting us as we provide this service for all who have ears to hear. We would like to say a special thank you to Tim and Connie Larson for sponsoring this week's episode. Simply do your vocation. Don't look to gain more than is rightfully yours. So don't grab at what does not actually belong to you in whichever vocation we're talking about. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. Adam Keery and I had the chance to speak with Luther House of Studies co-director, Sarah Stenson, about this week's lectionary text, the passage in Luke where John the Baptist calls the crowds who have come to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Sarah teaches us that this is John naming their sin. And as you'll hear her describe in our conversation, he takes away their claim to righteousness through their lineage to Abraham. Naturally, when we're called sinners and it turns out the thing that we think we're doing that makes us worthy of salvation isn't enough, we respond the same way the crowd responded to John. What then should we do? John gives us the answer and points his long, bony finger right at Jesus. This week's conversation is all about what repentance is and what it isn't, why we shouldn't feel threatened by a passage saying those will be thrown into a fire, and how to proclaim the good news. But first, here's Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, 
collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. And now, on to this week's conversation. Welcome back. We have Sarah Stenson with us this week. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Sarah. Thank you. Why are we laughing already, Carrie? <laughs> hey, I don't know. He, he paused like he forgot who you were. Oh. oh. This is Mrs. Sarah Stenson. <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. You're welcome. Carrie <laughs> just got married, so she's got the misses on the mind. She does. <laughs> she's got that on her brain. Okay, so let's jump in. Go. So this is a continuation from last week. Yes. With Dr. Krogan. Yep. So we're still in the Gospel of Luke here. Okay. And now we're continuing, and it talks about how John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized, and he uses the infamous line, you brood of vipers. Do you want to start us off from there? Yes, this is not a compliment. What he is saying (laughs) is, you are major sinners. Vipers, of course, snakes. Everyone knows that's bad to be a snake. So he's calling them sinners right off the bat. So these are people who came out to be baptized, and he says, you brood of vipers, sinners, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And that specifically is actually getting at selfishness. He's already starting to name their sin, asking them, so why are you really here? Is it to be good at the law? A sense of your own righteousness in the law? Are you trying to protect yourself from something? In other words, take it into your own hands. And then he says, and we're going to get into this, um, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. So when he says, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And then he says, we have Abraham as our ancestor. What he's doing there is he's actually continuing to name their sin. He knows his audience. He knows who he's talking to here. And he is recognizing what a lot of these Jews would be thinking, Mm -hmm. which is, we're on the right side of all this stuff. What do you mean, brood of viper? I've got Abraham in my um, lineage, in my DNA. Of course, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have thought of DNA, but, but we are Jewish by birth. Therefore, who are you to call us Mm -hmm. a brood of vipers? So when he says we have, he's, saying it for them, don't say we have Abraham as our ancestor. In other words, don't claim your righteousness in how you were born, because that's not where your righteousness is going to come in. Mm-hmm. 
it's a, it's a righteousness of, of human flesh or appeal. I mean, it's appealing to the law essentially that uh, we have the same blood as Abraham. Absolutely. And which makes us righteous. And this is actually, us. you know how we talk about it, scripture interprets itself. This is what the apostle Paul gets at in Romans yes. when he says, not all Israelites are actually Israelites. They don't all have faith in Christ. Some are claiming their righteousness in the law, as you're saying in their birth lineage, not in their faith in Christ or the promise, Zerah, seed. Yeah, John comes out, like, I mean, that is quite the the opening statement to say, you brood of vipers, you're a bunch of sinners, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruits worthy of repentance. We just talked about repentance of baptism, literally in like two verses before this this text. Yeah. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. So he takes, he says, you're sinners. And the thing that's going to, you th- you're going to try to claim your righteousness. I'm taking that away too. Exactly. You and it, nothing to I say think it, it kind of begs the question here on verse eight, this bear fruits worthy of repentance. And I know you talked about that last week at the repentance, that this is a passive word in the Greek, metanoia, change after being encountered by someone or something. So this is what John the Baptist is doing. He is literally repenting them um, as they are encountered by his word, what's coming out of his mouth. So the question naturally is going to be, well, so what is the fruit worthy of repentance? What does he mean, bear fruits worthy of repentance? And we hear that today too, by the way, have the same question. And so you immediately go to, okay, what am I supposed to do as a good Christian? I'm supposed to go volunteer and give a certain amount of money and maybe listen to this music or don't listen, whatever it is. Whatever it is that's in your head as effectively as you're um, proving you are bearing fruit, worthy of being a Christian, worthy of faith. So we hear that now, and people certainly then heard the same way as we have to be active. We have to repent and we have to bear that worthy fruit. This is exactly 180 degrees opposite of what John the Baptist is actually saying here, though, because when you understand repentance is passive, which we have certainly said that, then you also understand that the fruit of repentance, in other words, the fruit of being repented is faith. Mm -hmm. It's belief. And you're not in control of your faith any more than you're in control of your repentance. So the fruit worthy of repentance is simply faith, faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. So it essentially is saying bear, bear faith. That Yeah, that he's effectively, this is why it's important where it is. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. So as Adam rightly said, do not claim your righteousness or that your worthy fruit is in the law. It's not. It's in faith, the promise, which Mm -hmm. we're going to get to here as we continue to work through the rest of this text. But then he goes on and is even more offensive here when he says, for I tell you, God is able, and it's dunamos in the Greek, which means power. God has the power from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. In other words, don't think don't think you're special because he can raise up children. In other words, faith in a stone. 
So, exactly. So don't think your righteousness is in your DNA or in anything you do. It's the power of God John the Baptist is talking about here. Okay. So uh, then there's this uh, sort of illustration after he makes this point. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. And I guess this isn't an illustration. It's, uh, it's real, but he's using uh, metaphors language. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear a good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And naturally, when you hear this, uh, you're, what should we do? <laughs> As the crowds say. Sounds a little threatening. It sounds threatening. <laughs> don't throw yeah. me I know. I mean, you just called me a snake and now yeah. you're saying there's nothing special. Because we hear this, special. but we kind of hear it in the opposite of the a, a good tree bears good fruit. Mm-hmm. We hear that a lot or the branches, you know, and then, you know, prune your trees and stuff like that. Right. We don't hear it as much in just take it down. Throw it, it, get rid this, of it. But you're exactly right, Carrie. This is actually the, you know, you know kind of like shadow mm-hmm. cut where you see like the black and then the white, the mirror image. This verse that every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. This is kind of the, the mirror image of a good tree bears good fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same thing on the, it's salvation or damnation, condemnation and getting cut down and thrown into the fire. So this is an election text. And this is what John the Baptist is starting to lay out here. And we know, of course, the election is coming through faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. And we are passive in that as we were just talking about. So when you don't have faith, do not have faith in Christ, then you run into a verse like this, every tree Mm -hmm. that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And you hear that pure threat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it is Mm -hmm. threatening if you... Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Yeah, even even now. Yeah, there's this like, (laughs) it's not just like a future threat or a past threat, but now. Now. It's present. Even now. Exactly. You want to be in God's good graces. You don't want to think of yourself or your family members being discarded no exactly and when you're worried though about your family members or anyone else for that matter you go preach christ Mm -hmm. that's the only that's the only card we have to play here yeah but that's it's hard to do that and that's why i think it's I think what happens next in chap in verse 10 when the crowds ask then what do we do I think that that's kind of the natural progression for a lot of us to do as well because like I said like I don't I don't want to be out of God's good graces right yeah we just spent so long saying repentance is something that happens to you and preaching is something that happens to you and you can't rely on your heritage and and all of a sudden so you have all this stuff happening to you out of your control so naturally, the people are like, well, what, what do we do? we do? <laughs> exactly. And it's like, if all this stuff is out of my control, then why am I the one getting thrown into the fire? If it's not me. Right. But it's and, doing it in the first place. But what they're saying here with kind of how then shall we live? What then should we do? Because they are trying to, you're right, Mason, they are trying to kind of rest back some sense of control. I have to be able to do something. And John the Baptist now kind of lays out what we call vocations in kind of theological jargon, of course, non-theological as well, but he's laying out three different vocations and he's basically talking about how you should live. So he talks about 
if you have two coats, you share with someone. If you have food, share it. Even tax collectors um, say, what should we do? Only collect the amount prescribed, no more. And then soldiers. So he's, it, it's, he's hitting, um, certainly after the broad, the sharing, the clothing, and the food, he's going after tax collectors are named here and soldiers are named. Two groups that you'd think would be, well, certainly tax collectors were kind of pariahs um, at that time. Maybe Still now too, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. I wasn't going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> and then soldiers are also very, at that time especially, they were very subject to um, bribery, corruption, not necessarily um, upright. And so he's, he's telling each of these different groups, each of these different vocations, basically do what your vocation calls for you to do for the sake of the neighbor. Mm -hmm. Don't collect more than you're supposed to collect. Don't extort money. Go ahead. And, that, and that's important what you just distinguished, because if you read this without the uh, context of for your neighbor, um, that's like very Lutheran jargon. Yeah. But if you read this, what then should we do? It really reads like this is a new set of laws that John's laying down. Here's, here's you can read into this exactly how to act in every single scenario. So this is like the new law. Right. But what you just said is very, very different that you're doing this out of an outpouring for your neighbor. Exactly. You're caring for the neighbor in your vocation, in mm -hmm. even tax collectors, that is a vocation for the neighbor. But what John the Baptist is doing is just saying, simply do your vocation. Don't look to gain more than is rightfully yours. So don't grab at what does not actually belong to you in whichever vocation we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like that's still in the law. Well, it is, it is the law. I Vocations mean, are vocation the law. Vocation is yeah. the law. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, I mean, this is the, the thou shall not kill. I mean, this is, uh, you must share your coat. So you must help your neighbor in all their physical needs. Yeah. Don't steal essentially. Uh, don't extort. This is the seventh commandment. I mean, it's, yeah. he's just, Applying the commandments in their negative and positive ways mm -hmm. for the for the neighbor, though. Right. Right. Yeah. So they're uh, filled with... I w just one quick thing, yeah. though. Go. He is not yeah. saying in that section, verses 10 through 14, he's not saying that that's where their righteousness no. rests. No. Not at all. He is, though, answering the question each of these different groups are asking him, mm -hmm. what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? because they're afraid or they're trying to grab at some sense of control. He is not though saying this is what you have to do to be righteous or to not be a viper. That's not what he's saying here. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, it continues on as the people are filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. So they're, they don't quite know who he is. That's quite the, quite the sentence. <laughs> Filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John. Yeah. Whether he might be the Messiah. That, I'm just imagining today if someone were to just, you're sitting here filled with expectation. Like when have you, as like in human life, you feel filled with expectation of what's, what's about to happen. Well, but they knew their, what we now call the Old Testament, what mm -hmm. they would have just called the scripture Testament. as it is written. <laughs> <Scripture>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, they knew 
that they were waiting for the Messiah. And so John's behavior, what he's talking about with the repentance, the baptizing, obviously has their attention. Crowds are coming out to him in the wilderness to be baptized. Mm -hmm. Last week's text specifically, and in Matthew's version, specifically says, for the repentance of sin. That's omitted here, but it's certainly implied. But they are coming to him to be baptized. So it's a natural question that these people would have, are you the one we've been waiting for? And John answers them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So here's where John starts, as Luther says, points with his long bony finger and points to Christ. He's starting to point to Jesus here saying, I'm baptizing you with water, but he's coming and he's at this point, just off stage. He's just about to arrive on the scene now, Jesus. Okay, so real quick question for clarification. Where in Jesus's life or journey is this, um, is this scripture reading taking place? Is Jesus a child? Is he not born? Is he about to die? Is he in the be- yep. like beginning of adulthood? Yeah, he's definitely been born at this point. Okay. And is an adult because John the Baptist is just about to literally point to Jesus, like in the flesh, Jesus, and say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So so Jesus is an adult at this point, and he is on the cusp of beginning his ministry on this earth. So he's about, well, and, and... we know he's about to be baptized by John the Baptist, okay. which does begin his ministry here. Okay, thank you. Yeah. It feels like a few weeks ago we were talking about him feeding the thousands with bread and fish. It is a little <laughs> confusing the way it, it hops around. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, yeah. Okay, okay, so going back to verse 16 and 17 mm-hmm. and what you were saying in regard to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he's starting to point to Jesus now. Um, one quick little thing, I'm, I'm sure we've hit this before and we've talked about these texts, but I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. It's an odd expression to us, but all that really means is in those times that untying the sandals, the master's sandals was just about the lowliest, like bottom of the barrel job a mm-hmm. slave was given. So John is now putting himself below the lowliest job for a slave to untie the sandal. Cause mm-hmm. he says, I'm not worthy even to, to do that. And then when he says he will baptize you with the Holy spirit and fire, it, what John is saying now, he's actually referring to what we call Pentecost and acts with the fire, which is after Jesus death and resurrection. Um, when the Holy spirit descends on the apostles. So in, in other words, John's baptism at this point in Luke, it's still delivering repentance and it's still delivering faith in the promise of he's coming, he's coming. And what's just about to happen here is Jesus is about to enter the scene, but it isn't until after Jesus has been crucified and resurrected 
that this finally the the full baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire comes comes to be. Okay. So after like our baptisms, though they're with the symbolism of water. Yep. They are with Holy Spirit and fire. Uh, you mean what? We actually are baptized with water. Right. <laughs> you were baptized with fire. Well, make, make well, the comparison between here. being baptized with water, which John we said have, to them, I'm, I baptize yes. you with water. He will, bap- he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Exactly. And so our baptism mm-hmm. now, right. 2,000 some years later, is that same baptism of, of he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In our baptism now, we are baptized into God the Father, mm-hmm. Son, and Holy Spirit, that's exactly what John is pointing to at this point, but it isn't quite ripe for delivery. Right. Yeah. So when he would be baptizing with water, yes, would he be using those kind of same words, the Holy Spirit, Father, God, and the, 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 the Trinity, I'm trying to say. Yeah, probably not <laughs> would job. be my guess. I don't think we have anywhere in scripture where we say, where it says exactly how he was baptizing them with water. Right. But we do know for the repentance or forgiveness of sin. Okay. That part we do know. So, and it is the same forgiveness. This is this we know from the Old Testament as well. Abraham, you know, all the way through the Old Testament, these fathers and mothers of faith in the mm-hmm. Old Testament, even though Jesus at that point as well had not yet arrived on the scene and, and done his, completed his mission and ministry on earth. It's the same faith mm-hmm. delivered in a different way effectively. Yeah. Okay, so then finally. Yes. It says, so with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. Right. Which is, I, pro- I baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Is well, that the good news? <laughs> oh, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> the, the good news is you are a brood, you are a viper. Oh, that's so you're, sweet. You're a brood of viper. You. You're welcome. <laughs> And your viperhood doesn't have the final word over you. Jesus Christ does. That's the good news. John the Baptist here is pointing to the one who is more powerful than I is coming. He's coming. And he's going to clear the threshing floor, gather the wheat, the chaff he'll burn with unquenchable fire. Again, this is good news when you have Christ in your ear. When you know your sin the fact that you are a viper doesn't have the final word over you, then this is good news. It is not something we run away from or try to defend against being called a viper or a sinner. You actually, as a baptized Christian, get to say, Amen, Amen. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson for teaching us that you are, in fact, a viper. But your viperhood doesn't have the final word over you. Christ does. John the Baptist is pointing to the one who is more powerful than he is. He is going to burn the chap with unquenchable fire. This is good news when you have Christ in your ear. Your sin doesn't have the final word over you. It's not something we run away from or defend against. We are sinners 
and Christ has forgiven us. As baptized Christians, we get to say, Amen, Amen. As you heard at the beginning of the episode, a generous donor is willing to match sponsorships for up to eight podcast episodes. If you or your congregation is interested in helping Luther House of Study utilize these matching funds, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sstenson at augie.edu. That's S-S-T-E-N-S-O-N at A-U-G-I-E dot E-D-U. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, you are a viper and your sins are forgiven. We'll see you next time on Scripture First. Scripture First.